Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Hollering is on. It is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel and Lindsay. Rachel, what's popping, man? What's up, Van? What's going on? Nothing. I'm excited. I'm chilling. I'm ex- excited about what? No, the play, it's great. The playbook. Oh, God. Is it full effect? There was movement in the playbook this week, <laughs> and we're not even talk. We're not even going to talk about it. But we well, we can't. You just write about it and put it in a movie, we or a TV show. We had full playbook discourse this weekend. It was almost like the first meeting of the playbook. It was me, Kalika, and Rachel, and I just can't wait. This is gonna be so fun. And then I was drinking and texting you, yeah. <laughs> As well. Like I got activated by the playbook. Activated by it. Because like any diva, you have to be convinced of things. You know? This is true. This is true. And I did I had to sleep on it. You had to sleep on it. I had to sleep on it. What a, what, the, a, what I love is that you have so many other people excited about it. And mm-hmm. I can't make a move without people saying, Oh. Is this in the playbook? Is this a part of the playbook? And here's the thing, guys. The playbook, there are no rules. Mm-hmm. It's just like on the fly right. as things happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's certain guidelines, right? Understood. It's not that. But it's just on the this fly. Is, this, is, this, is, this is me looking to see if things fit the playbook. Because let, <laughs> let me tell y'all something right now. Nick. I'll tell y'all something right now. A lot of y'all hit me up. And ask me about Big Rach. A lot of of y'all been doing it. But I'm telling y'all right now, this is me, Dr. Lathan. (laughs) Okay? I'm going to look at you. Like, the examination is going to be like this. And not till she's ready, but this is going to be like, follow this ball, follow this ball. Uh, I need (laughs) your credit karma accounts, everything. The playbook is in full effect. Dr. Lathan. The excitement with which you called me this weekend, unmatched. Because that was Kalika's on speaker. (laughs) That was. I know it's serious when she's on speaker. That was a that that was a big one to me. But we'll we'll move on. I don't want people to. I don't want their minds to 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 wander. What did you do this weekend? Where were you at? I was at home. Mm -hmm. I was at home this weekend. Um, I I have a lot that I need to get done. And so, like, in my personal life, so I just, like, kind of sat this weekend, getting things done, getting things together, went out to dinner with some friends um, late Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And then Sunday kind of had just, like, a me day with me and my girlfriend. Um, and we went, got massages. We had lunch. Um, just good conversation. Mm-hmm. And then I came back and just was... You know, getting some more things done. Very chill, relaxed weekend. I always have to chill the weekend after. The one before was wild. Mm -hmm. And then if I know I'm going somewhere, right? So I'm going out of town this weekend. Mm -hmm. So I need to chill. I needed a a palate cleanser. So it's a good weekend. What should you do? So Saturday, uh, Kalika and I went two different places. We hung out um, and watched the dunk contest. Over with uh, Mr. Billy, Billy Simon, Billy Simon, Billy Simon, Billy Simon, 
We went um and hung out and watched the dunk contest and the three point contest and the skills challenge with Bill Bill Simon. Simon. And um then we went to dinner with our friends Simon and Cleo, the it couple of LA is what they're <laughs> called. So we went to we went to dinner with them. Um it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of different conversations, a lot of different talks. Uh Simon is a very renowned filmmaker. And so I asked him a question that had been vexing me on Twitter that someone asked me. And I want everyone to try to think about this question. This is when I when we're asking you guys to ask mailbag questions that fucking get us going, these are the types of questions that we're talking about. Donnie, I want to hear what you have to think of <laughs> what would you have to say about this too? Because Donnie, what people don't understand is this is the thing what people don't understand about Donnie. Donnie is one of the five best people at his job that I've ever worked with. Okay. Ashley and Donnie are like a dynamic duo. All right, is Ashley here? She's here. Yep, I'm here. Yes, I'm Ashley. Okay, so look, this is a question both for you guys, but you guys are amongst people who don't listen to anything or watch movies as well. So I want to know if you guys will get this. I was asked on Twitter to name a movie trilogy where every movie in the trilogy gets better. As the trilogy goes on. So the first one is good. The second one is better than the first one. And then the third one is better than the second one and the first one. It's nearly impossible. So the Wolverine movie trilogy is one. You have uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine, then the Wolverine, then um, Logan. Then Logan. Okay. Uh, Some people say the Lord of the Rings trilogy, although there were people who don't think that the middle one is as good as the last one. Simon actually ended up answering this question because he came through with the Planet of the Apes trilogy, which is a oh, good Oh, so right. And he needs to That's a good one. See what I'm saying? See and, I, saying? And, and I'm excited because I've seen him. Yeah, you've seen him. Now, <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I, and he, he's right now, but there's another one coming out. So who knows? Know, but they're always good. You like them. So right. I kept saying, I was like, there is one. There is one. That's the one. Planet of the Apes. It was a great guess. Donnie, what about you? What do you think? Can you think of anything? Donnie's going to come with something off the cuff. Yeah, it is random. Because it's hard. I feel like the uh, Clint Eastwood movies, the Man With No Name movies. Ah, uh, that's good. See what uh, the fuck fistful I'm- of dollars, few, a few dollars more, and then the third one, the good, the bad, the ugly. Classics. It's true. Ashley, you got something? I feel like we're forgetting something. That's hard. I'm maybe like the Evil Dead trilogy. Like I think all those movies are amazing, but oh, that's a hard question. Yeah, uh, the Evil Dead. Evil Dead is actually a good one because you got Evil Dead, then you got Evil Dead Two, and then you got Army of Darkness. Yeah. Actually, Ashley, I I rate that. Yeah. I, 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 the fuck I'm talking about here on higher learning. This is this is not higher learning anymore. This is now known as no. the movie show. We've no. changed our name. We've changed yes, our name. It's been great. We're, this These is, last four years have been amazing. So I, I can't. Wanna, I can't. I can't be here. I want to shout out Sean Fennessy and everybody else. The name of this podcast is no longer higher learning. The name of the podcast now is Donnie. I want you to change it. 
right now at the bottom of the thing, we're now called the movie show. This is the name of the thing. If you want to talk movies, if you want to get into movies, okay, this is your one-stop shop to come do it. Next episode, all about Akira Kurosawa. Right now, we're going to talk all about stuff, but then the next one, all about famed Japanese filmmaker Kurosawa. Rachel, are you ready for it? The movie show. I won't be participating. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wouldn't do that to y'all. It wouldn't be fair. I'd hold you back. Yeah. I wouldn't do that to the audience. It'd be extremely frustrating. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll guest appear oh. on the new podcast, but before, you know, before we I'd get be into the show, to you guys. before we get into the show, I have something to announce. Batracial and I have started an organization. God, I'm afraid of this. <laughs> Called what? The BBI. Wait. What's the first B stand for? Biracial. Oh, I thought that was the second one. Mm-mm. Okay, what is it? Biracial what? The Biracial Bureau of Investigation. <laughs> we. Who are you investigating? Whoever we need to. <laughs> the biracial bureau this. of investigation now if you guys don't know host of the stacks podcast tracy it's a fantastic podcast she herself is biracial mm-hmm. bitracial is her name okay so she's embracing it all right but she got that blackness see what i'm saying that's what i'm talking about she got that blackness that makes her the perfect partner for us to investigate what's going on culturally and individually with the biracial takeover of okay. black culture. And, and, okay. and so we're opening, we're opening case, we're opening case files. All you motherfuckers out there, I'm just letting you know, we're opening case files on you. We're going to open a case file on you. We're going to look into what you got going on. She called me Van V. Lathan Hoover is what the, is the yeah. name that she gave me. We're opening case files on you guys, on these brands, on these people. We're opening case files. So the next time somebody comes out and goes, hey, I'm not black. I'm a person. I'm as white as I am black. Boom. Case file will be open. The next time somebody comes out and you, they, they're, they're somewhere with their with their other family and they got Trump hats on is I got to embrace this too. Boom. Case file. I'm opening okay. case files on all of you motherfuckers. That's what has to happen. Okay. Because we got to know. I would think that the members of the, of the BBI should be biracial. Not all of them. What are you talking about? What do you mean? It has to be led by. No, 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 no. We there, there has to be representation. <laughs> there has to be representation, but they can't. Also, oh, only black and black and black and biracial. No, Tracy's are only biracial. That's it. We have one. Okay, so it's black now. No, nah, I know other. Starting... I know other biracials who could. Because I know I see like Arian Foster, like, like Arian Foster, Arian Foster. I need a- Arian Foster, Arian. I don't know if you're gonna hear this. I need Arian Foster. It's not a it's not a blacker nigga in America. 
I need Arian Foster to be part of the BBI. He will help us. He will move us to the next level. You guys, if you hear this, tag Arian Foster. Tell him to reach out. That's my guy. So you're starting now. So you don't have the first case yet. Is there a chance you'll go back and you'll do some what we'll call cold cases, right? People that we've talked about before that we are not in it by. I keep saying we, y'all. But people that you, we have talked. <laughs> don't look at me like that. Oh, you want me to be in BBI? You want me to be in the BBI? I would wonder why you wouldn't want to be in it. That's the thing. What, what, what's going y'all on? Y'all didn't the, invite me. Yeah. Well, but you just took yourself out of it before you were invited. Rachel, do, I was we, need to, for an invitation. do we need to reassess the playbook or we're going back to the well this summer? Um. Okay. First off. Okay. Because are you trying? How did you get that? From that, you know what I want. You know what I've asked for for the playbook. Okay, yeah, I got you. You know what Let's I want. Keep it real, nigga. Let's go. Let- <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, back to the cold cases. I feel like there have been cases that we've talked about on this podcast that we haven't got down to the bottom of. So y'all might in the BBI want to go back and look at some of these cold cases on some of these folks out here. Think about it. So let me ask you this. Tracy already came with a controversial case that she wants us to take up. <laughs> I love Tracy so much. <laughs> Who is I it? can't tell you. I can't tell you. I'll tell you, but but we have to do some. It's a. It, she already came up with with a with a very controversial. It's a good one. It's a good one. It's a good one. It might is have it a woman? to be. No, it might have to be. It might have to be litigated. Might have to open up a case file. Mm, 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 mm. Woo! I'm putting cases on all you bitches. Bam! <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. The BBI, man. Woo! Just in time for an election year, too. All right. Um, we got to get into it. Uh, big deal of the day. I feel like it's been mean to, to death now. We're a little late, but we still got to do it. Fonnie Willis. A lot of mess going on down there in Atlanta on the other <laughs> side of this break. Let's go. Rach. Yeah. Did you uh, watch Fonnie Willis's testimony? I watched the majority of it. Um, it's interesting, right? Because they didn't want her to testify. And she was so upset by what was being said about her on her behalf without her getting the opportunity to speak that she stormed into the courtroom immediately after Nathan Wade's testimony and took everyone by surprise, which meant we know we knew we were going to get something. I mean, however you look at it, but I'll say good. Um, She was clearly upset, rightfully so. And her frustrations were coming out because as she said on the case, um, on the stand, I'm not on trial. You're confused. Donald Trump is the one who's on trial, not me in my personal life. So I understand her frustrations when it comes to that. However, and I don't, I still don't, despite the testimony that I saw, that I read um, from her friend from before, from Nathan Wade, her father, and Fani, I still don't think that they've been able to prove their case um, when it comes to this motion that they filed to remove her. Uh, being there, there's a conflict of interest with her and Nathan Wade. I don't think that they've met their, um, I don't think they've proven that, but 
it goes back to the conversation that we had before. No matter how well you thought her responses were on the stand, no matter the fact that she was ready to go toe to toe and everything that she said made sense, the way it looks, the perception is still bad hmm. and it's still there. And if she, and let's just say she's not removed, let's say Nathan's removed, she's not, mm -hmm. or they both stay on the case. As you move this case forward, it has been so publicized that your integrity has been called into question. And people are open to have their opinion about that, whether they believe you or not, whether they believe that they're, that this was wrong or right. And the, and the people of Atlanta are the ones that are going to be pulled for this jury. They're going to be deciding this case and are now going to have their own opinions about the prosecutor of their case, no matter how you look at it. So it taints that the perception of it as well. Will a jury be able to focus on the facts at hand and not all the mess that happened before? Hmm. It's just, it just looks so bad. Okay. So this hearing, uh, a, lot, a lot of people call this the Fonnie Willis trial. This is a trial. This was a it's hearing not a trial. over misconduct allegations um, that surround the relationship between Fonnie Willis and her lead prosecutor, Nathan Wade. Uh, they talked about a lot of things. Nathan Wade testified. Fonnie Willis testified. Like Rachel said, Fonnie Willis was visibly upset. Um, she fought to stay off the witness stand initially, but then she said, fuck it, I'm going in. <laughs> I um, love that energy. She talked a little bit about her past relationship with Nathan Wade. We have learned that that relationship is now over. It ended sometime last year. Uh, she said that he ruled it as ended when they stopped fucking and she said it was over when they had had a tough conversation but there are other things that she was asked about donnie give us some audio i did hear the, the arguments this morning it's ridiculous to me that the you lied on monday and yet here we still are and i did listen to that argument um um all right so that was it just the argument no testimony Right, I listened to the argument this morning where Adam Abadi, I thought, did an excellent job pointing out how dishonest you were with the court on Monday. <laughs> and um, I'm actually surprised that the hearing continued. But since it did, here I am. And keep the answers confined to the questions as best you can. I think you'll have more than enough ample opportunity on uh, when the state was well, able to It's highly to offensive when someone lies on you, and it's highly offensive when they it's try touch. to implicate that you slept with somebody the first day you met with them, and I take exception to it. All right. Well, Ms. Willis, you'll be, have the opportunity to explain all of that when it's the state's turn to ask more open-ended questions. There's more stuff. They requested some personal records from her, and this was her response. Well, no, no, no. Look, I object to you getting records. You've been intrusive into people's personal lives. You're confused. You think I'm on trial. These people are on trial for trying to steal an election in 2020. I'm not on trial, no matter how hard you try to put me on trial. So my question was, do you have any problem? I object to getting any personal records of mine. We're not dealing with privilege through a witness. And I'm not, no, 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 no I'm not dealing with privilege. What um, we had offered to put them in camera for the court to review. And I just want to know if she has any That's problem. That's not something you deal with with a witness. Hmm. Um, now, uh, Nathan Wade testified a little earlier, and he testified that he and Fonnie Willis had traveled together to Belize, Aruba, and California, took cruises together, but said that uh, Fonnie Willis paid him back in cash um, for some travel expenses that he had charged to his credit card. Now, that is in play because, you know, uh, 
Trump's people, and this is all coming from Trump's people, from the people who are trying this case against Donald Trump, who are bringing up this this uh, alleged misconduct, are going to say that that is a kickback. That you pay someone, you hire somebody to be the lead prosecutor on the case, and then that person then takes you on a vacation romantically that that is improper because that's improper use of public funds, which she was also asked about while she was on the witness stand. Here's the deal. Everyone talked about, I mean, there's a lot of stuff here that went viral. Uh, the, a man is not a plan thing. Fonnie Willis was defiant, defiant in her testimony. Uh, she was not fucking feeling everything that they were insinuating and bringing up. <laughs> Here's the thing, Rachel, if what you said earlier is true, all right, if what you said earlier is true mm-hmm. and there is a chance that a jury could be tainted by the perception of the lead prosecutor or the DA in this trial, this very important trial, real substantive, credible allegations against Donald Trump. That's true. Then making a spectacle out of this entire hearing was the wrong thing to do. Because Mm. all that does is make a bigger deal of everything that's happening here. Now, I'm not... You're saying this... All I'm saying is this. I'm not... I don't know what it would be like to have someone digging through your personal... uh, uh, Oh... (laughs) there we go here we go see this is the stuff this is the stuff that you guys come to the podcast for when you guys are watching on video watch Rachel uh, watch Rachel Rachel. (laughs) watch Rachel no keep going watch Rachel's face changed watch the change right there I don't know what that's like I know how people do it but I don't know necessarily what that's like I guess I know what it's like you know people posting lies about me on the internet. And that's, that's happened. Um, Mm -hmm. But in this type of situation where it threatens something that's so central to the public work that you do, or this really important case, that's going to be a legacy case for Fonnie Willis. I don't care what you guys think about YSL or any other Ricos that she's brought up. This is the Fonnie Willis legacy case. I can understand why she uh, came out and felt, felt the need to, Number one, destroy a lot of narratives that uh, about her um, to fight back against uh, the way that this is being handled and the way that it's being sensationalized. But you could also make an argument that in the way she conducted herself, that she made it into even a bigger thing, that it could be memefied and talked about and all of that stuff. And now uh, she's not just a part of this. She's a character in the story, which is going to make it harder mm. for people to forget. Is that fair or unfair? Mm. I, I, I'd only say unfair because the spectacle has already happened. The mm. fact that this the relationship was a real thing and they were able to file this motion and a judge granted the a hearing on it and that there has been testimony and he is considering whether or not there was some type of conflict of interest here and considering whether or not they should be disqualified from the case from the case the damage is already done the only thing i would say in regards to what you're saying about the spectacle is her coming there and defending herself which she has every right to do and i thought she did a fantastic job doing that everything she said made sense 
It also plays into these stereotypes, though, that people have of black women. Mm. And that's what and I think that's some of the discourse that you were saying in the conversation. People who aren't in favor of Fonnie Willis or the fact that they're pros- she's prosecuting Trump, her going and that's not fair to her at all. But that's so is the plight of being a black woman. She now people are accused of her accusing her of, you know, being angry or aggressive or, um, you know, having an attitude and. That's that's sadly what she is now being subjected to since she's uh, given that testimony. Hmm. But I said this before and I'll say this again. What's important here is that this is one of the one of, if not the strongest case against Donald Trump. So the big picture is this case and anything that is going to deter Donald Trump, Donald Trump from being prosecuted and these other defendants from being prosecuted or going to derail this case, you need to remove yourself from that. Anything that's going to hurt that case needs to be done. So in my opinion, she should recuse herself. She should remove herself. She could still consult. She could still be, you know, there are other qualified people, even though she was leading the charge in the DA's office. I think that that they should be the ones who are front and center handling this case, because at this point, she is sadly a distraction. Hmm. So I, I really think that she should remove herself from the, from the case. Well, I do. It's I, I, she's the DA, right? He was going to be the lead prosecutor on the case. I, was Fonnie Willis going to be like front? I don't know as, if she was sitting. I don't. Yeah. I don't know if she was sitting like because there's three. He's not the only one. There's mm-hmm. like three special prosecutors that were brought in. Right. I don't know who would be first chair or not in this trial. I don't know. I'm sure she would be present, mm-hmm. but. You know, she. I'm not saying remove herself from being DA. I'm just saying, just like yeah, she's not going to do that. She's she's she's, a, she's elected. Okay, so let's go back and look at some of the things that Fonnie Willis will say. So the the narrative here, um, is clear, right? And let's be honest. We can culturalize this as much as we want, because it's easy to culturalize this. It's easy to say they're picking on a black woman. Right. It's also easy to say that they're trying to uh, depower somebody who's going after Donald Trump. And both of those things are true. But another truth is that it's a bad idea to be fucking uh, yeah. one of the lead prosecutors that you um, have assigned to a case this high profile. It shows yeah. a breathtaking, breathtaking uh, lack of judgment to do that. Yeah. Um, not that I, not that grown folks can't do what grown folks want to do, but in this situation where you're hiring someone, this is you guys. This is a consensual relationship between two adults. In the grand scheme of things, it's not that big of a deal. However, here the hint of impropriety is so significant that there's no way around the fact that this was a mistake. Now, Fonnie Willis has answers to that claim. She says that she went to a bunch of people to try to take this case before she went to Nathan Waite and she couldn't get a lot of people that she wanted, that he was down on the list of people she was trying to get to do it. And she ended up going to somebody who she has a lot of respect for professionally and who she believes in um, as an attorney. And it just happened to be someone that she knew and ended up having a sexual relationship with. 
I understand that. Dims be the breaks sometimes. But when you think about the fact that this guy was still entangled in a divorce, right? And then was professionally entangled with her. This was a big, huge mistake. And it was a big, huge mistake in one of the most substantive and important uh, prosecutions in American history. And that's not hyperbole. In American history, that's not hyperbole. So uh, we want to minimize and and make sure that Fonnie Willis has a soft bed to land on here. But there's some shit that is in her court right now that is deserved. So the question is, how do you come out of this entire thing with the least amount of damage to what is a very, very strong case against Donald Trump? That's the question. And so, yeah, she probably does need to fall back a little bit because now it's not going to be about Donald Trump. It's going to be about Fonnie Willis. And that's what Donald Trump is good at doing. What Donald Trump is yeah. good at doing is doing this sleight of hand to where he's this cultural magician to where it's not about the actual thing that he did. It's about the person that is coming yeah. after him. Um, he's good at muddying the waters. Right. And at the same time, we can't allow that to be done. There has to be a realistic look at the fact that this was a magnificent fuck up by her and him. I agree. I agree. And I think you saying that about Donald Trump and, and anybody who's paid attention to him over the years knows that's exactly what he and his camp do. They make you think about what isn't the issue and focus on, you know, all everything else. And then people get confused or start focusing on things that don't really matter. And Fonnie Willis had to know that coming into all of this. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I do get a little frustrated when I see people talking about, oh, he's doing this because she's a black woman and she's an easy target. Yes, she is subjected to certain things that her white counterparts aren't. But if this had been even a white prosecutor, they would have had an inappropriate relation, or not inappropriate, but had a relationship with her special prosecutor. They'd still be going after that prosecutor because they're going to do anything they can to discredit the person and challenge their integrity so that people can take the 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 focus off of Donald Trump and put it on them. Mm -hmm. It would have happened to anybody who did this that was in that role. Mm. And I, and I, we cannot excuse what they did. You just can't. Right. I'm just saying, you don't want to turn this whole thing into an episode of like the real housewives. It's not that it's, (laughs) it's not a bunch of mess. It's a very serious prosecution and there needs to be serious thought as to how to get everything back on track. Really, it shouldn't be off track. None of this fucking has anything to do with whether or not Donald Trump conspired to send fake electors. None of it has anything to do with it, but the, the, uh, the importance here is going to be about the public opinion piece of this. And it's time to just rein Mm -hmm. everything back in a little bit. Um, even though all that stuff was very, very, uh, very, very uh, entertaining to watch. The NBA All-Star Weekend happened. Woo! Shit. Did you yeah, watch any you're of it? Yeah, you excited about it. You went to a watch party and everything. You were excited. You go to a watch ready party? Ready for it. To a watch at Billy, party. At, at, at Billy's house. Billy uh, Did I watch it? No. Which is really interesting because in the same way that I used to get excited for the Super Bowl, 
I used to about All-Star Weekend. I used to go to All-Star Weekend. Yeah, I bet you did. Um, <laughs> you know, I've retired that. Yeah. But I know I didn't watch. I'm not. Ex- I'm, there's nothing that excites me about watching this weekend anymore. So it was bad. Okay, and that's okay. It was not Is that it? much fun. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. So I, everybody's making the the game was bad. The game was all time boring. This was the worst one. Shout out to Dame for winning MVP, but this was the worst one I've seen. This was the worst, most useless all-star game in any all-star game that I've ever seen. Um, there's some Pro Bowls in there probably too. I'd have to go back and think, but this was bad. Uh, the dunk contest was an abomination um, this time. It was uh, com- completely lacked any excitement. I didn't know what the guys were doing. I didn't know people would come out and I didn't know why they would come out. I didn't know what was going on. And even when someone did do a great dunk, the scores were stupid. Everything sucked. Three-point contest was fun. A lot of guys vying for it. And then, of course, you had Steph versus Sabrina. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, But, yeah, it was bad. I did not get a chance to watch the the – they got to do something to fix the All-Star game. I mean, that's just the thing. Uh, Shout out to all of my homies that played in the All-Star game. But I I know that – give these guys the weekend off. Give them the weekend off, man. Like, give them the weekend off. Just fucking don't do it. What do you mean? Don't they have the weekend off? No, they don't have the weekend off if they got to play in the game. If they don't care about the game, if they want to go to Cancun, let them go to Cancun. I know it's a lot of money for the league and all of that stuff. But it's kind of like playing in the fans' faces when we go there and get worse basketball than you can get at a run at the goddamn LA Fitness, you know? Like it is so it's 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 just bad. It was bad. It was not fun to watch. Last night, uh, I ended up flipping around to the stations. Ooh, I watched a whole documentary on the history of the bloodline. Do you know who the bloodline are? Mm-mm. Rachel, name everybody in the bloodline right now. I just said I don't know. That's fine. It's a pro wrestling faction. That's crazy. You got to get into wrestling. I need you to do it. It's, why? Because it's... it's Because you're in it? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the only reason. What's the bloodline? The bloodline is uh, a, a pro wrestling faction that comes from this fantastic and huge Samoan wrestling family, right? So... All of the Samoan wrestlers that you've ever seen in the WWE, they're basically related. Uh It's really an interesting story. The Rock, Rikishi, Yokozuna. Rikishi! Yeah. That's when I used to watch. The Usos, who are in the bloodline, I guess Jay's not in there anymore, but the Usos who are in the bloodline, those are actually the Rock's cousins. They're cousins with the Rock, cousins with Roman Reigns. Everybody's all family, and they, they, they take the Samoan heritage, and then they use it in the bloodline, the head of the table. There's two guys. You should make a movie about this. There are two guys at the head of it, and they became blood brothers. No, no, it was great. Whatever. So I actually watched a video about that rather than watch the All-Star game yesterday. <laughs> it's so uh, the How do they game pick off. the MVP? Just who scores the most points? Uh, it's like a whole narrative. Like, who's, go- who's going the craziest? You know, Dane went crazy. Okay. Dane went crazy. Um, but there were other storylines from the All-Star game. Chris Brown claims he was uninvited from uh, the celebrity game. Uh, now, he had an email. And the email um, was proof that they had reached out to him about being in the All-Star game. And then he wrote on his Instagram story it said this. I was asked by the NBA to play in the All-Star game this year. Only for them to call later and say they couldn't do it because of sponsors like Ruffles. 
Chris took a direct shot at Ruffles. At this point, I'm sick of people bothering me. and I'm tired of living in the fucking past. I posted the email so you could see. The NBA still was trying to get me to come and sit courtside. Not fucking happening. He posted screenshots of an email. It was like a, it said, NBA All-Star 2024. Welcome, Chris Brown. And then he said that Ruffles said no. Sponsors don't want to be around Chris Brown. Then he put out uh, the design of the uniform that he would be wearing. Okay, so a lot of people were upset. A lot of people were like, what the hell is going on? How long does Chris have to live with the mistakes he's made? We talked about it here on this podcast as well. Um, Yes. Okay, so on the one hand here, you understand both sides of this, right? You understand him being upset that he was asked to come do something and then later on had a sponsor tell him that he couldn't do it. That's happened to me before. Of course. That's happened to me before. Uh, A sponsor? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I was asked to do something and then uh, it came back that I was too political or something like that. Yeah, it's a big, 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 big brand. It wasn't Ruffles. It wasn't Ruffles. Wasn't a chip brand. Do you still use this brand? No, I don't. But I'll tell you this. There would be no chip brand that would stop me from <laughs> playing you, the game. Yeah, because you can't lose the fat niggas now. See, Ruffles. I feel like that's why you've been making your pitch on social media, putting up your stats. You trying to get in this game next year. Not really. Ruffles, uh, they would tell Chris Brown no. But Ruffles is never going to tell me no. All right. A fat nigga is their core audience. And so I don't have to worry about ruffles. All of the food places are always trying to get me. Churches has reached out. Churches has rebranded. Churches is now Churches Texas Chicken. I tell you, church. Really? Yep. Churches has changed. It's not Churches Chicken. It's Churches is Texas Chicken now. Let me tell you something right now. Everybody at Churches. If I taste the Churches and it's good, I'll be a chicken nigga. Oh, wow, that sounded bad. Leave it in. (laughs) Leave it in. That sounded bad. That sounded bad. See, that's how it happens. You think that there's nothing wrong with that, but then all of a sudden it's me on the fucking thing. uh, Boom. Chicken van. Uh, Chicken van. I love me some churches. Fucking pieces of chicken falling out of my mouth. I can't do it. But you can't tell a fat nigga no from food stuff. I can see you too. I can see it. I can see it. (laughs) Ooh, churches. Because that's what they want you to do. Chicken man. Because it'll be one thing. It's one thing to eat the churches and then to have it be good, but it's another thing to eat the churches and go churches. Yeah, I know. A nigga can't live without it. Oh, <laughs> that should be like that. The next time y'all have niggas singing for the chicken, just don't halfway do it. Just make that the slogan. Popeyes. A nigga can't live without it. <laughs> And just do it. Just go for it. Fuck it. I would have more respect for that. Popeyes. A nigga can't live without it. <laughs> uh, um, uh, I don't know how we got here, but anyway. Uh, ruffles. Ruffles. Yeah, Chris Ruffles. Brown. Ruffles. Chris Brown. Okay, so look. Here's the thing. I can understand both sides. This is what I understand. This is a question I'll ask you. We got our asses kicked on the podcast here. We did. <laughs> we did. <laughs> we did. By suggesting that people were being too hard on Chris Brown for something that he did when he was a younger right. man. And we were right. rightly gathered by a lot of people 
um, who said Chris Brown has had continuous problems throughout his entire career with different incidents that they said Chris right. Brown is a repeat offender and they haven't seen the amount of contrition that they need to see from Chris Brown, who I think is now 35 years old, 34, 35 years old, uh, in order for you to put all that stuff in the past. I guess my question is this. What would Chris Brown need to do? Like what? Like, and I think that's a fair stop, question to have. Stop having inc- well, stop having incidents. Because the reason we got in trouble with this on the podcast is because, you know, I personally was like, well, Rihanna's forgiven him. You know, shouldn't we forgive him? Not being fully aware that he has a past that extends past 2009 when that happened, past Rihanna taking him back and then rekindling their relationship again. Chris Brown had a restraint. Uh, Karuchi had to get a restraining order against him for five years because of threatening messages that he sent her. There have been multiple incidents, whether it was fighting men outside of a club, women coming forward with accusations. Most recently, the alleged altercation with Usher. There have been, it seems like every year there seems to be something with Chris Brown, uh, an accusation, violence, and it doesn't seem like he's getting better. So to answer your question, what would Chris Brown have to do not have these incidents attached to him? Hmm. I think that's, and there needs to be enough space between the last incident and him, you know, doing better where I think people to say, okay, we've turned a corner with Chris Brown. Hmm. That's, that's to me, that's the only answer. So I would say the other thing is maybe if Chris Brown said, listen, I'm aware that I've had these issues. Um, th- there seems to be some a continued behavior that I haven't been able to get a hold of. You know, I'm seeking this, you know, whether it's anger management, whether it's therapy, whether it's whatever it is to try to get better. Maybe if there was some acknowledgement, I am aware that he has acknowledged this before with the Rihanna situation. Um, he's talked about going to get the help that he needs and doing better. But since then, it's my understanding that there hasn't been any type of acknowledgement of his behavior with all the things that he's done where he's been connected to some type of incident. And maybe that coupled with no and more incidents is what people need. Hmm. But like you can Google it, you can Google Chris Brown and, you know, violent history or history with the law or whatever. And there's just article after article after article. And it's like every year there's something that's being done by him. So I understand why a brand would not want him affiliated with their company. I get it. Yeah. Uh, so met Chris Brown a couple of times. Uh, he's never been anything but a gentleman. Like when I've seen him, it's facts. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to say anything and then like act like I never, like I've never met the guy before. It's just like, it's, it's important. Cause what I'm about to say is this, the question is this is like, uh, cause you say something and then a nigga, Oh, you know me. I wouldn't say that I know him, but like I've met him a couple of times and it's, it's never been anything, but, um, and you'll hear that from a lot of people. He's a nice guy. You, 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 you have, uh, meetings with him or, 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 interactions with him and he's and he's been gracious this is what i'll say though the question to me is not why whether what not what chris brown has to do i mean it's a question i ask but not necessarily what chris brown has to do the question is like why we care right like why we care whether or not chris brown gets to play in the celebrity all-star game like why we care whether or not chris brown gets to dance at the grammys like why we care whether or not chris brown gets to uh uh, win more Grammys or sell records or why do we care about that? And that's an interesting thing that I think we need to kind of um, 
investigate within ourselves. Um, because do we care? Yeah, a lot of people cared. A lot of people cared. Like I talked to a lot of people about this. Obviously, we cared. We talked about it before. Well, I we feel have like to we be... respond to we respond to it when it's at least for me. I respond to it because it's an issue that's been that's you know like he brought this up. Right? We wouldn't have known. I I could care less to be honest with you. So, but I, I'm not taking. That's why I asked you, Dooley. You said yes, fine. Yeah, well, but yeah. For me, I, well, I think that what the story is. it was something that we talked about before on the podcast and had to be set straight. So I think that we do care. I think there's a reason why people cared and people responded to this. And I saw people with ridiculously um, stellar reputations post, isn't it time that we move past this? I think we care because of two things. The way the perch that we've put black men on in in our society, right? Uh, and then secondly, um, uh, how we view talent, right? Uh, in black America, talent has always been a get out of jail free card. Excuse sure. the pun. It's always been something that um, was put at a premium because talent was the only thing that saved you. Like we we do this without even thinking about it, right? Like we do this without even thinking about it. The moment something happens to uh, a kid, if that kid is an outstanding kid, we throw that out there. This person was going to Harvard. They were doing this. And I know that the reason why we do that is to say that this, some people would say, okay, well, we do that to show that this person wasn't a threat or they weren't this, or they weren't that. But every time we do that, we create space between the average Black American that might be the victim of some sort of violence or injustice and the pristine, perfect victim, which is something that we've been taught to do because we've been taught that we prove our worth by what it is that we can contribute to American society. So it's a damn shame if the kid that was on his way to college gets caught, caught up in the, caught up in the crossfire. He have anything to do with it. It's a damn shame when that happens. The other kids that live in the neighborhood, they can die back and forth. They've signed up for that life. It's a damn shame when it happens to that kid. It's a damn shame when it happens to somebody else. It's a damn shame when the cops pick the wrong one. The guy with the criminal record who wasn't doing anything this time. Ah, he's been around. It's kind of the thing, right? But the kid who was going to Harvard and doing all of that stuff, like it's a damn shame when it happens to him. That's because we know deep down that we have to either sing, dance, uh, basketball, uh, or super think our way out of America's perception of us. And when someone's done that, like a Chris Brown had done that, it's hard to watch them fall. It's it's just hard for us. It's hard for us to watch somebody sing their way out of it, dance their way out of it, uh, uh, dunk their way out of it, do their way. It's hard to watch them do that and get there and see what they can do and then to watch them fall. It's hard because we go, fuck, that's one that was supposed to take it to the next level. And we think about ourselves in terms of the potential that we have. I um, mean, it's a very direct thing. But the reality is for the health of our community, it might need to be less important that Chris Brown plays at the all-star game, uh, uh, celebrity game, and more important that he gets the help that he needs to be 
uh, productive, um, non-threatening, good member of black society. It might be less important to get outraged when something happens to him that we think isn't fair because of something that he did before. And maybe a little bit more important to check in with him and make sure that he has what he needs to really look in himself and 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 continue to progress as a man and as a father and all the things that he that he is and he wants to be. That's probably more important. It's probably more important that guys like Chris, I want to single out him, that guys like Chris are doing the work on themselves that they need to do um, than whether or not they're getting things that are commensurate with their talent. And look, we also know this. Deep down, we know that brothers are put I'm specifically talking about black men in this situation. We know that brothers are put in situations where they have to, where their choice matrix is, is, uh, is condensed, right? They, they, they make a lot of mistakes based upon situations that they grew up in. So when you see somebody that's done a little wrong in their past, what you want to say is, Hey, they need another shot. Like we see these white boys get other shots. Because remember when a white person fucks up, it's a good person that did a bad thing. When a black person fucks up, it's them showing America who they always really were. And we know that. So we err on the side of that, too. The the, sure. the, the, the the question is, like, when it doesn't have to do with anything that we feel like white people should be giving Chris Brown, which is a Grammy or performance at the Grammy or anything else, like, what are we giving him or what are we giving people? Are we giving people the truth and the support and the direction that they need to be better members of our community. Are we doing that? Or are we just mad when they don't get what they, what we feel like they should be getting from white people. And so to me, like, and so to me, I look at that as we need to kind of change the way we view some of those things. I completely agree. Completely agree. I think what's troubling to me in this post that Chris Brown put, um, put out on social media is that he said, I'm tired of living in the past. Well, as if like it was a one-off thing that people are still holding it against him. Did he not? And I feel like we discussed this the last time we talked about him. Did he not perform at the Grammys after the Rihanna incident? I'm not sure. He did. Yeah, I think that he might have. Yeah. He did like a whole thing. So it's not even to your point, the last thing you were saying about, you know, like he hasn't. It's not like he's done one thing and everybody's completely shut him off. He's done stuff. He's still in the public eye. He collaborates with all these prominent people, whether it be in music or, or, or whatever it may be. But the reason that it's still continuing to happen is because you're still continuing to do things. And his post does not acknowledge that. And that, to me, is problematic. Hmm. Well, I mean, nobody thinks that they're wrong, I guess, is... It's, uh, I mean, it's just true, right? It's just, I, I just guess it is what it is. But I mean, nobody wants to see bad. At least I don't want to see bad for him. Like, no, yeah, you, you like, I'm, you know, you, you look I at him. It's disappointing every single time I hear it. I'm like, oh, you got so, like, you, you could do so much more. You know, you're, you're such, that's you're such part, a talent. That's so I, part of the thing. That's yeah. So I hate thing. when I see this kind of stuff because I know, I see how talented he is. And, you know, I remember when he first came out. Um, one more thing about the All-Star game. I want to know if you, because you didn't watch, but there was a big showdown at the All-Star game. This might have been the best part of it at the All-Star weekend, should I say. And it was um, Steph Curry versus Sabrina, Sabrina Unescu, uh, who is a fantastic shooter for the New York Liberty. Um, last year, I think it was, or the year before, 
at the WNBA All-Star Weekend. She set like a record for threes. I don't know if you've ever seen it. She went off. She was just not missing. It was ridiculous, right? So everybody's like, who's the best shooter? Who's the best shooter? So they had a shoot off. Steph versus Sabrina. Three-point shootout. Best male shooter in the world against the best woman shooter in the world. Steph won. It was close, but Steph won. Uh, Sabrina hit 26, which would have put her on par with uh, most of the guys who shot in the NBA three-point contest. Um, Mm -hmm. Steph hit 29. Uh, if you ask me, Steph could win the three-point competition every year if he wanted to. He just casually yeah. stepped up there, and if there's no defense when Steph shoots, they're going in. Like he could, he could win it any time he wanted. And it was interesting because she elected to shoot from the men's line and not from the women's line, which is a little far back. She showed she has the range. She still shot with the women's ball. Um, and Kenny Smith from inside the NBA had a take right after this. Donnie, run the audio. I, I, I think she should have shot from the women's line. She should have shot from the women's line. That would have been a fair contest. I still root for Sabrina. I still root for Sabrina. We all are rooting for Sabrina. No. She should have shot from the three-point line that the women shoot from. Why are you putting those boundaries on her? That's she, not a boundary. She That's what the shoot. game is. She wanted to shoot. They have a smaller ball, don't they? She it's shot a boundary. WNBA ball. WNBA ball is smaller. She shot with the WNBA yeah, ball. She, she, she shot from the line. It, it, there's it, a women's tea in golf and there's a men's tea. For a reason. No. She a shooter shoot. Oh, that's what you said? Yeah, but that's they shoot the from where they shoot from. No. Thank you. No, no, no. Sabrina, Good Sabrina. job, Sabrina. No, but but don't let great. any man put boundaries on you like Kenny. Uh, but then give him a regular ball there. Don't let give him the same ball. Boundaries on you. Give him a regular ball there. Kenny must have been sauced up. <laughs> that, well, I'm sure he was. But that's, that's the part. It was where he was like, there's a line for a reason. Where he's insinuating that she would have never won the competition because women can never be as good as men. That's what the implication is. Like in order for her to, for it to be competitive, she needed to shoot at her line with her ball. That's the only way that she stood a fighting chance. That is the underlying um, sentiment with what he just said. Cause at first I was kind of like, I mean, there could be an argument for what he was saying, like how he was talking at first. It's like, okay. Like, I understand you're saying she's used to in her games. This is where she shoots. And so it's like he's shooting from how he shoots. She's shooting how she shoots. I get that. But then when he said for there, it's this way for a reason. It's very misogynistic. It's very much so. So let me ask she you a question. Almost won. So let me, she almost won. Let me ask this you a question. Competition. It'd be different if it was 29 to 13 or something. Well, it wasn't like going to be that because, well, look, let me ask you a question. Why do they shoot with the smaller ball with a with a closer line? Why? I I I don't know. I don't know the exact reason. So, okay. So here's the thing. Kenny shouldn't have said what he said. She elected to shoot from the NBA three point line, and she should have been allowed. And and and, and she she elected to shoot from the NBA three point line. Shot from the NBA three point line. She shot just fucking fine from the NBA three point line. All right, just fucking fine. Yeah, so There's no reason that. to go into the whole thing. But I mean, I think with you saying with like what you because there are things that I don't get right. If if um our friend Jordan Liggins, who I love, I love Jordan so much. Jordan is doing so well in life. She's doing really, really. She's well. doing so yeah. fucking well. 
So Jordan said something last night on Twitter that was interesting. So in the All-Star game, Luka Doncic got full of himself and he tried to windmill or some shit. And that bitch got mm-hmm. caught on the front rim. Luka <laughs> is the man, but he not a windmill nigga. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said they should lower the rim. And it was very funny because an argument for uh, changing the WNBA game, that WNBA players, that women's basketball players everywhere hate to hear is that they should lower the rim. Okay. It's insulting. Right. Um, the logical like retort to them lowering the rim, which is something that that Michael Porter Jr. said when he was on the Pivot podcast that pissed a lot of people off. The logical retort to that is, well, they play with a smaller ball, shorter games, and the three-point line is closer. So what is the big deal about lowering the rim? And Kelsey Plum and a lot of other ladies have offered to go on the Pivot podcast to talk about that. And I think that that's going to be a very interesting conversation about why that assertion is so insulting. I get it intellectually, but it seems like it's not the same game. And when you say that to people, they get upset. It's it's not it's really not the same game. I mean, it depends on the way you look at good. Women can definitely be as which is, good as but like which is why this was bad. This was a skill. But shooting at the three. Right. Which she's shot with a smaller ball. More gonna go in. I would have. That's not true. Just because the ball is smaller, than more gonna go in. Rachel, think about that. (laughs) Like, if the ball is small, if the ball is smaller, you have more margin for error, especially at that level, with making and missing shots. Doesn't that make sense? It makes sense for me to shoot for her to shoot with the ball that she's used to shooting. She should have. She should. That's what makes sense to me. She shot and had absolutely no. If you ask me, if they mm-hmm. run that bitch back, it's gonna be plenty of time she beats Steph. Like that girl can shoot. She yeah. can shoot. And by the way, she's not up against the best shooter in the NBA right now. She's up against the best shooter ever. She'd have beat them motherfuckers that was in the three point contest. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I'm saying is, to me, what what I don't understand is I, I honestly think it devalues the women's game to compare them to the men. That's why it's like when you say she can never be as good as a that. man at basketball. These niggas are seven foot five. No, Not I understand them, that. But you know what I'm saying? speaking to the skill. But yes, I understand what you're saying. Yes. So it's I'm, not the same game. We've talked about this before. Yeah, it's, it's not the same game. Like the stuff that they're doing, it's a bunch of guys walking around here right now that think that they can go out there and fuck over players in the WNBA. No, my, my nigga, it's not going to happen. Yeah, you, okay. you, you're going to get fucked yeah. over. Some of you probably could. Like if you played college basketball or whatever. But what I'm saying is, I, I don't know. You know what I'm really trying to feel? What's the good way to talk about this? Really, you shouldn't. That's why... Even having this event, it opens it 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 opens a whole Pandora's box of misogyny. Op- right, you shouldn't compare. I think is what you say. Like you could talk about it, but the comparison shouldn't be there. Like there's a way to talk about this competition without everybody else was doing it. Kitty's the only one who decided to go laugh. There's a way to talk about this without comparing the two. Right now, the games, the games. Right now, in college basketball. The women's game is light years ahead of the men's game. 
It's not even close. Kaitlyn Clark, Juju Watkins, Angel Reese. These ladies are the biggest stars in college basketball. It's not even close. There's no argument. They're the biggest stars in college basketball, and they're playing their game with their ball, their three-point line, their situation, and their game is light years to me ahead of the men's college basketball Mm. game. Light years ahead of it. Light years ahead of it. So there's really not a lot of reason. I don't think you get the, the, the women's game over by comparing it to the men. Yeah, I agree. You know what I mean? But if you're going to be out there with the men, they're going to do that. You don't think so? They're going to compare it. They're going to say, like, they're going to compare it. I just don't think in this skills challenge, it shouldn't have done that. If it was a if it was a men versus women, then absolutely. How can you not? But with this, you're taking two great shooters, amazing all-time shooters, and you're and you're having them shoot threes. No defense. Nothing. Shoot the shoot ball. Do what they do. Shoot your shot. Shoot your shot. And just just let you guys know, you're listening to me right now. Sabrina shoots better than you. I know you make a lot of shots at your Mm -hmm. open gym. She shoots better than you. Kaylin Clark shoots better than you. Kaylin Clark can shoot not from the men's line. She can shoot from fucking half court. All right? This is the whole thing. But I would be interested um I would be interested to have a, a WNBA player on to talk about. We can bring Chanae on. Bring Chanae on to talk about what's okay to say, what's okay to talk about. Like I was talking to a couple of days ago, goes, why don't they lower the rim? I'm like, don't say that publicly, you know? Uh, and I just mm-hmm. said it for um, she's like, why don't they lower the rim? And I was like, they take that as a sign of disrespect when you say that. It's not a sign of disrespect. But I do wonder, Is I don't think that they should lower the rim. They're playing fine on the 10-foot rim, but I do wonder why. I do wonder what the... You wonder why it's not lowered? No, I why don't wonder why it's not lowered. Not? No, why, I wonder what the... And you'd have to play with... Because the, the, the female basketball players, the lady basketball players get the most respect from other NBA players and college basketball because they know how hard it is. Mm-hmm. The only niggas that really disrespect them are the guys that ain't never done shit. Like they know how hard it is. They <laughs> know how hard it is to get to that level and play at that level. They know how hard it is. They respect them. They know what they can do. But it just kind of seems like some things, everything that Kenny said was, it was completely out of pocket. But if you're comparing men and women it's never like, how do you do that without bringing up things that are fucking obvious? I think in this situation, it was, he could have gotten away with not doing it like everybody else. But yes, I understand what you're saying. And I love that everybody jumped on him. Like Kenny, 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 stop. Like, please. My, Cause please. he's the nice guy. Please, of the bunch. Kenny, stop. He's the nice guy. Of the bunch. <laughs> please. No, Ernie's the nice guy. Nah, Kenny, the nice guy. Ernie's the straight man. Kenny's the nice guy. It's different. Ernie's just the word. Kenny is the nice guy. Kenny is the one when Shaq and Charles talk about a player, Kenny always takes up for him. Kenny's a nice guy. Kenny's like, there's a men's team, a women's team for a reason. Shit. <laughs> but is Kenny wrong? 
Yes. <laughs> we need to. No, there's a difference. There's a difference. Uh, all right. It's time for the Joe Biden beat. Donnie, play like a presidential song or something like that when we get back on the Joe Biden beat. Play Tale to the Chief. It's time for the Joe Biden beat. This time we got more criticism of Joe Biden. There's been a lot of criticism of Joe Biden from inside the the house of the left. Did you see Jon Stewart on last week's? uh, No, I meant to watch it. I didn't. I didn't. I saw some clips on it, but no, I didn't watch it. Were you excited he came back? Yeah, I was excited. Everybody was talking about it. You didn't get a chance to check it out, huh? No. Is he permanently going to be there? No. Only <laughs> on Monday. He'll be back on the night. He, uh, people were mad that Jon Stewart both sides things that he talked about. Oh. Um, the fact that Biden's old, that Trump is old, uh, and they feel like maybe Jon Stewart's way of looking at politics, which is calling out the absurdity on both sides, doesn't work in today's political climate right. where they believe that Trump is so singularly pernicious. And they were like, maybe Jon Stewart doesn't have it anymore. A lot of people were talking about that. Um, From the clips I saw, I thought he was funny. But- it was hysterical. It was hysterical. Yeah. It was what Jon Stewart does, and he did it in the way that he does it, and he showed why uh, – there have been a lot He's, of great why people. Why there to can't host. be another host? Just why well, there have been a lot of great people to host, but the show is tailored around his sensibility. Yeah. So it's kind of yeah. kind of a tough act to follow. Um, yesterday, Charlemagne, Charlemagne the God, the Breakfast Club, uh, was on ABC Sundays this week, and he was talking about Joe Biden, disillusionment that people might be feeling. As far as casting a vote for Joe, vote for Joe Biden, and um, also while he why he can't bring himself to endorse a candidate in twenty twenty four. Now he give us a little bit of the audio. He's just an uninspiring candidate. Like you know, there's nothing about you know Joe Biden that makes you want to listen to him. That's why he should be leaning on you know his vice president Kamala Harris, who's way more charismatic than him. He should be le- leaning on you know other surrogates like. You know, Gavin Newsom or, you know, Shapiro in, in, in Pennsylvania, like he should be leaning on people who have are more inspiring than him, who are more charismatic than him. And he should just be, I guess, if you want to call it the brains of the operation behind the scenes. Like that sounds crazy that we're saying that about a president of the United States of America. But he he has no main character energy. At all. Um, he also talked about uh, some of the negative feedback that he's gotten from the Biden administration uh, that is centered around his vocal criticism of them. Do you get blowback from the White House? Because you even now in this conversation, you're very tough on Biden. So when you when you say something critical, do you hear from him? Yeah, and I think that's the stupidest yeah. ever because I yeah. think that I'm, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. But we can bleep that I, out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like you should be able to criticize whoever your elected official is, right? Yeah. And and even if I do criticize them, I'm criticizing them because of what I see coming up in November. I see what we're facing. So what I'm saying to them is, where is the sense of urgency? You can't keep saying that there's a a threat to democracy and democracy as we know it is going to be, be be gone, but not act like it. And, and the other problem is they've always done this with every single Republican candidate. Since I've been alive, whoever the Republican presidential candidate has been, they've demonized. 
It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if it's John McCain. It doesn't matter if it was, you know, Mitt Romney. It doesn't matter who it is. They will, they will demonize the Republican candidate. And now that there's an actual legitimate threat right there in our faces, they're like the, they're like the party who cried wolf. Nobody believes them. Rach? Hmm. This was an interesting piece because it was a whole sit down exclusive, as they described it, on Charlemagne. And, um, you know, I, I'm going to paraphrase here, but they talk about how important he is to the culture, how important the Breakfast Club is, the certain guests that they've had come on um, that range from musicians to athletes to actors to politicians. Uh, but it made me wonder. And I'm not being shady when I say this, because I think uh, obviously Charlemagne's voice is is big in the culture. And so is the Breakfast Club. But because it didn't start off as a political, like the way it's moved into politics and bringing certain um, politicians on, do people really look at Charlemagne as a voice for politics or take his political opinion seriously? I know that that is a real question. Mm -hmm. You're asking me? I am asking you. Oh, I don't, maybe you don't have to answer that. Oh, I don't know. Um, what I would say is... Uh, uh, what what Go ahead. what I would say is that um uh it it doesn't matter but it does but but with the way this interview was was formed mm -hmm. and like this is how the interview they painted him this way like he's the voice people are eager to hear what he has to say like really that's that's how it was and so I thought I was like huh like funny you know like a person who goes there and like does things, ask questions for shock value. Sure. They have like interesting conversations about what's happening in the culture, but politics, I don't know. So that's why I thought this was really interesting because of the way that they, to use this word couch, this interview, I stand by what I've said before about how dangerous I think this rhetoric is that Charlemagne's doing. I think it, I like how he talks about how he frames things as the crooks, the cowards, and the, the couch, couch yeah. the couch, the couch. But to me, when I hear him talk like this and the other um, interview that was on CNN or MSNBC, whatever mm -hmm. it was, to me, the people that you're speaking to the most are the couch. It's the couch. You aren't excited about this election. You refuse to endorse anyone. You speak bad about both political parties. You talk about that things need to be done, but you talk about also how uninteresting these two candidates are and how he ends this whole um, sit down with, you know, you have to pick your poison, right? Um, the lesser of two evils. To me, I don't think it's bad that Charlemagne calls out the issues that needs to be done. It needs to be to continue to be done. We need to stop living like everything is okay. Or we only vote, vote a certain way because historically we have voted that way. Or we falsely believe that just because you're blue, that you're down for black or whatever it may be. Um, I don't think that that, that that should happen, but I do think that if you're going to say how disinterested you are with the choices that we have, then there also should be, well, but this is who I, I am going to vote. And this is who I'm going to vote for. And these are the expectations that I'm going to have for the person that I'm voting for. And this is why. 
And this is what we need to do as a people to demand that these things are done because this isn't what we did last time. I think there needs to be some solution with some of the criticism because by what he's doing, criticizing, and then talking about how much he's disinterested in it, to me, I'm like, why would I vote? If he is this voice in the culture who is so influential when it comes to politics, why would I vote listening to him? In what way are you motivating me to go down to the polls or to mail in a ballot to vote? I think you have to do both. Okay. I, I, I hear that and understand that. So these are a couple of things I would say. In terms of whether or not uh, uh, people value Charlemagne's opinion on politics, I don't know if that's if they do, and I don't know if it matters. And let me tell you why. Um, I, I don't know if people value like Joanne Reed's opinion on politics or uh, like Abby Phillips's p- opinion on politics. I think that they care about who, what those people say and who they talk to. Right. And the Breakfast Club is the largest platform right now in black America that you could go on. It just is. And so the yeah. the politicians value the platform to be able to talk to that many black people. And typically when they're talking to people on the Breakfast Club, they're talking to Charlemagne, who's taking an interest in politics. So whether or not he is a trusted voice uh, for people politically is I don't know um, if people say, OK, I'm going to go vote for this person because Charlemagne told me to. I don't know if that's the case. And I also don't think that it matters. The only thing that matters in that in that particular instance is that like Joe Biden goes to the Breakfast Club. Vivek Ramaswamy goes to the Breakfast Club. Nikki Haley goes to the Breakfast Club. Those people go to the Breakfast Club on what's ostensibly his show to talk to him and to Envy and to Jess Hilarious. So because they talk to him, how those conversations go is important because that's the deal. They are important, right? So that's the thing. So they're going to want to talk... ABC is going to want to talk to Charlemagne because Joe Biden is going to want to talk to Charlemagne because uh, Nikki Haley is going to want to talk to Charlemagne because Vivek Ramaswamy is going to want to talk to Charlemagne. So they're going to want to talk to him because of that. He's the most political voice on the Breakfast Club and people go there to talk to him. So they're going to want to talk to him, too. And they're going to want to know why they're going to want to know why those people want to talk to him. And they're going to think that it's something unique about what he has to say or the way that he looks at the world. And they're going to parse that out when they're sitting down. My thing is this. Um, whenever this, whenever something like this happens with anyone, be it Charlemagne or anybody else, uh, the automatic situation is going to be he doesn't speak for all of us. And he doesn't. He doesn't speak for all of anyone. Uh, there's not one. Yeah, I hate when people say there's that. not one black person that's going to speak for all of these black Americans. Exactly. Right? There's not. But I will say this, though, like there are people who the only time they're going to hear Vivek Ramaswamy is when he's on The Breakfast Club. There are people who the only time they're going to hear Nikki Haley is when she's on The Breakfast Club. They're not going to watch CNN. They're not going to watch Fox News. They're not going to go search it on YouTube. They're not going to do that stuff. The only time they're going to hear from these people is when they sit down on The Breakfast Club. And I'll tell you one thing. When I am listening to these politicians, when I want to hear The Breakfast Club interview that they do almost more than anything, because that's their idea of talking to Black America. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not, th- that's they think 
that when they're talking to the breakfast club, that they're talking to black America. So I want to hear how they talk. Like sure. I want to hear what they say when they go on there, because that's when they feel like they need to be talking to us. That's when you pull hot sauce out of your bag or when you say, hey, you ain't black or when you do that. That's when those things happen. So I want to hear what you really say. Um, so that's separate. I'll say this. And look, I'm not holding anybody's water here, but I do want to just remind people of something. And this is not take Charlemagne out of it. Take anyone who's less than enthused about endorsing the Democratic ticket this year. Most of the people that I know that feel that way, and you guys, the list of black celebrities or black notable people that feel that way is so fucking long, right? With the conversations that I have, the list of people that feel that way is so long, right? Like I talk to people, oh, can't do it again this time. They already did it. I, I've talked to people in Louisiana and Georgia who are not celebrities, who are door knockers, who are like people who get out and go. And you know what they say to me? They say, and this is for the Democrats. This isn't for anyone. And if it hurts people's feelings, it hurts, it hurts people's feelings. What they say is that I went in 2020 and I told these people it was the election of their lifetime. And this is what they had to do. And that once they did this, not just for uh, the president, but for the Senate and all of these other things, these are the things that would happen for them. They weren't delivered on. And now in 2024, I got to run the same play with them. And look, if we want to have a robust discussion about why those things didn't happen, then we can have that. Even with him, he was already out at political rallies with her. He already endorsed them in 2020. He already did it. Like he literally all he, he already did it. And a, and a lot of people feel this way. They already went out and did this stuff. They already did it to come back. It's not saying you won't vote for Joe Biden, but to come back and do the same thing. It erodes your trust with people. Of course. That 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 you told the same shit. Like I registered niggas to vote in 2020. Mm-hmm. And it's not about me, but it is about the fact that like you do kind of look like an idiot when you're trying to explain to them why they should do it again. When, man, you told me it was about the voting rights and you told me it was, man, ain't none of that shit happened, man. Fuck that shit. Like, it's, it's like, so there has to be, you at least have to be able to be honest about it, right? That's all I'm Let saying. Let me ask you. Okay. Why won't, why won't he endorse, why won't he say who he's voting for? He won't. There's got to be a reason. Like, Because he knows. There's got to be a reason. So what's the reason? So, it, it, I, I'm not, I don't want to speak. thought process behind I don't want to speak for him, but let me, let's. Let's talk about, let's ask me the question. Forget about Char for a second. Why won't I endorse Joe Biden? Okay. There's nobody in this world that knows me that thinks that I'm voting for Donald Trump. There's nobody in this world that thinks that, right? And there are only two choices. So Van is, I'm going to vote for the candidate that I think, and I talked to Mark about this too. I'm going to vote for the candidate that I think we have a chance with. But the reason why it's different and you don't necessarily put yourself out there anymore is because of personal convictions and what it is that you believe in. And I, I just got to be honest, my personal conviction here is that the Democrats 
are in such disarray and they're making such bad decisions that it's difficult for me to message for them and to people that have maybe less agency in their lives than I do over decisions that affect their lives. What I mean is just because of situations that I put myself in, I might be okay no matter who the president is. Well, there are a lot of people and who matter who the state senator is and who this person is. I might be okay no matter what. There are a lot of people who aren't like that. And so for me, I need people to follow through on what they do. And I need the Democrats to have a better plan about how they're going to uh, help these specific people, these specific Americans, these people who think that the country is coming apart. A lot of decisions are made. The Democrats didn't like there was no the the primaries were were all over the place. It didn't really run the primaries right. They kind of rigged the primaries. They're running Joe Biden again, who is completely incapable of messaging to this stuff, messaging this stuff in any robust way. They have a problem, right? Because if you were to put somebody else, you can't pass over Kamala Harris because if you were to put Whitmer or Newsom or uh, Westmore, any of those people up right now and say, hey, we want to run them. Well, you can't do that because you're going to lose so much of what you have with your base because of how that would look for Kamala Harris. But you haven't empowered her in any way. You haven't had her front and center in any way. You haven't sure. utilized her in any way. What you've done is what power does in this country now, which is make bad decisions or make impotent decisions and then ask the people to clean up your mess. And, I'll, and I'm fine doing that, but I'm not fine telling everybody else to be happy doing it. I'm just not. And I, that's got to be okay. Like nobody, like it, I, I don't know what y'all want. I don't think you have to be happy. You don't have to tell people to be happy doing it. But the one thing I will disagree with about, I'm, there's no denying the importance to the to the community of the back, the Breakfast Club and everything that you said, I agree with. But if Charlemagne is the person that he was um, presented to be in this this sit down exclusive, then his opinion does matter. If people are coming to talk on him and he is the leading political voice on the breakfast club, then he is influential. And to hear him constantly talk about how disinterested he is, is influential. It is impactful. And the only people that that message appeals to are the people on the couch. So this one to me, out of those three, that's who he's empowering. The more he talks. By the way, I'm not saying you're wrong. This is what I'm saying now. This is what I'm saying. And everybody has to kind of, this is the issue with, with freedom, okay? Freedom is dangerous. It's a dangerous thing, man. You know what the easiest thing about being parented is? What? That people tell you what you have to do. That anything that happens to you up to a certain age is going to be your parents' fault. Yeah. If you get on drugs, it's going to be, I failed you as a parent. If you end up stealing, it's going to be, I failed you as a parent. If a nine-year-old or a 10-year-old is fat, like really big, unhealthily big, they blame the parents. If that child mm -hmm. is underweight, they blame the parents. 
The parents have agency over everything that the child does. The moment that you become an adult, the freedom that you have becomes a danger to yourself and people around you. You're free to make decisions that don't work out for you. You're free to make decisions that don't work out for people around you. That freedom, though, is the only thing that you want. It's the thing that you long for. The freer you are, the more you have to live with the consequences of what you might say or do. And the reality is this. If you hunker down and uh, stump for the Democrats or any political party, regardless of the outcome or regardless of how they're governing or regardless of how they're talking, then you're not that free. You're just not. You, in my opinion, are making decisions that are based on fear. You're doing what you think you have to do. Right. Right now, if you go out there and you exercise that freedom, you talk your shit, you're unafraid, you give the real opinion that you have. Talk about how they've acted, how they haven't acted, what they've done and what they haven't done. There is a chance that you end up doing something that doesn't work out for you. That you end up promoting something or empowering something that's worse for you. Freedom ain't easy. It's not safe. Choose wisely. Um, I think we're out of here. Uh, oh, you want to, um, <laughs> do, do you want to, um, Donnie, give it to me. Mm-mm. Do it, Donnie. Mm-mm. Do it, Donnie. I know it's coming. No. Do it, Donnie. <laughs> it never gets old. Oh, my God. We are so back. This brave cougar made a 1,000 <laughs> mile trek from Utah to Colorado. Scientists in Utah, remarkable. 1,000 miles from Utah in the mountains all the way to eastern Colorado. Wildlife biologist Morgan Hinton wrote on the Utah Division of Wildlife Resources blog. They began placing GPS tracking collars on more than 60 adult cougars back in 2018. One cougar, impressed biologists. F66, a female cougar, started her brave trek on May 30th, 2022. In just a few months, she was captured and collared in the Wasatch Mountains. Three states, Utah, Wyoming, and Colorado, crossed over busy highways along the way, interstates 80, I-25, and I-70, and Highway 40. It's fucking amazing what these animals are capable of. <laughs> Hold on for a second. I'd just like to take this moment to shout out Beth Pratt <laughs> and everything that's happening over there with Save LA Cougars. This is my P22 shirt that I got. Uh, so this is my boy P22. Rest in peace. My boy. <laughs> I love you, big dog. This is my guy. Shout out to all the Cougars. Shout out to everybody working for animals. Animals are the most important thing. Animals are the thing that we have to fucking uh, protect because 
We have dominion over the animals, Rachel. We got to make a good world for the animals. What's your thoughts? I have none. <laughs> I'm glad that this mountain lion made it safely. I don't know what else to say. You know, uh, I'm happy for you that we could put mountain lion back on the timeline. Yeah. You started off this podcast excited. You're ending the podcast excited with mountain lion. And honestly, the listeners love these updates as well. I'm, I'm in the minority here. So I'm happy that we were able to bring it back. Maybe we'll bring, we'll have more to talk about. Maybe we'll have an, an animal games. Oh my God. Donnie. Donnie, episode coming up just Donnie, maybe maybe we could bring that back Donnie. all right take your thing caps off wait has ashley been a part of an animal games ashley have you ever done animal games i think so i think one time okay one time all right ashley you'll get you'll get in on it too all right man take us take your thing caps off but do not stop learning hey nypd dance team stop that's it that's all you guys get. Stop it. Why? You guys were all excited. Nah, we don't need that. <laughs> That's not what we asked for. <laughs> what if it really is for their mental health for them? Six billion dollars. No, no money's being taken away. No money. It's just a hobby they do when they clock out. No money from NYPD is pouring into it. They pay for their own uniforms. Just a little something that they could... um you know, have a little fun together where it's not always so stressful on the job. Last thing I'll say about this. I don't want to see cops dancing. Do it in private. private. I want to see cops dancing. You just never know what they're dancing about. That might be, we got five niggas this month dance. (laughs) That might be, (laughs) 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 that might be, we, we locked up, we locked up 35 niggas today. <laughs> I don't know what they're dancing about. I can't trust that they're dancing for the right reason. You know what I'm saying? Uh, oh shit! I beat a nigga down. Beat a nigga down. I can't. I don't trust cops enough to watch them get fly dancing. I don't know what they're dancing about. Like they they celebrate weird things every time. Right, you sold me. Every time you put a hot mic on a cop, it's like ha ha, fucking nigger. Thought he could fuck with Officer Johnson. Fucking coon. I put him right down. <laughs> so what you're saying is do it privately. Don't if y'all want to have y'all's dance, go dance. Just see it. But we don't fuck with y'all enough to be watching y'all dance like that. It's not, it's no. Fuck it. Take your thing caps off, but do not stop learning. I'm Van Lathan Jr. <laughs> I'm Rachel Lindsay. Bye.